0: Thank you, Lord. It's good to be in his house, isn't it? It's good to gather together. God has a plan and a purpose, doesn't he? God has an incredible plan and an incredible purpose. And uh, what I'm about to share is that uh, sometimes, you know, I feel like we've said this so many times in the last years, uh, especially in the last year and a half, but just because you don't see what God is doing doesn't mean he's not doing anything. Come on, I need you to get that. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean that God's not doing it. Amen. God is, there's an old saying, it became Christianese, and, uh, but, but we need to believe it again. It's that God's up to something and it's good. Amen. Who knows that statement? Who's heard that before? All right, that's not just Christianese. That's the truth. God is up to something and it's good. Amen. All right, I want to get right into his word. Who's enjoyed us looking at Elijah? We've been talking about Elijah now for the last uh, five or six weeks. Um, well, you know, it's like seven weeks-ish, but I had a couple weeks I wasn't speaking in there. But we've been talking about him now for the last month and a half or so. And uh, I took the text out of 1 Kings 17-18, and today I want you to look at uh, chapter 19 of 1 Kings. I want to get right into this. I want you to look at 1 Kings 19, verse 1 with me. The Bible says that when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way that he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, may the gods strike me and even kill me, If by this tomorrow, I have not killed you just as you killed them. And the Bible says that Elijah fled for his life, that he ran. It says he was afraid and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Wow. Now, Elijah was afraid. Why was Elijah afraid? The question I have is, was this moment his final tipping point? Was this Elijah's final tipping point? All right, so let's review. Uh, We've been studying, as I said, 17 and 18, and what happened in that story, I actually springboarded from James chapter 5, which says that Elijah was human, just like us. Who remembers, right? James 5 says says Elijah was human. Everybody say that again. We need to be reminded that even though Elijah uh, prayed and it didn't rain and it rained, he was human. Who knows that? Right? And aren't you encouraged that a guy like Elijah who could pray the rain in and pray the rain out was also human? Aren't you encouraged? That gives us hope, doesn't it? And the Bible, in fact, doesn't just say that he was human. James 5 says, says that he was human like us. It says that he has a nature like ours. And the Bible is pointing out that when we read about Elijah, that you can identify with him. Now, many people identify with with the fervency of his prayer, but sometimes we miss the fact that it says right there that he had a nature like ours, that he was human. All right, amen. All right, so he's human, but the Bible says... That when this human being prays, it stops raining, because God told him to. For three and a half years, and then he prays, and it rains again. Now, during that time, Elijah relied on God. Every need was met, right? That's what we've been talking about. God met him there at the brook. Remember the sermons, right? Remember the chapters. God met him there at the brook. He met him there with the raven. And then God supplied his needs with the widow. And then in chapter 18, Elijah makes this spectacle of the false worship of the demon god Baal. Right? Who remembers? And then he calls upon God to show himself. Actually, Elijah doesn't say, let me show off. Let me show you something. Elijah had a relationship with God where he, reco- he knew who God was. A lot of people want the power of Elijah today. But they don't realize the relationship that Elijah had with God, which was that Elijah knew who he was, which was a conduit, right? He was a he was a messenger, he was an ambassador, but he recognized that it was only by God's power, it was himself. He tells God, You show yourself. He doesn't say, God, show, you know, just let me show off. You show yourself, and what happens? Fire comes down. From heaven, consumes the altar, consumes everything, consumes the water he pours on the offering, right? The whole thing. And uh, everyone says, God is God. They all recognize, okay, God is God. And then they round up all the priests of this demon God and they kill them all. And then he finally, then uh, last week we talked about, you know, don't stop at 90%, go to full 100%. Because uh, he had done all these things, and he had prayed the rain to stop, um, and then had dealt with this demon god, Baal, little g, and then he dealt with its servants, so he's dealing with things, and then while Ahad, the king, is going to eat and drink, Elijah goes back up to Mount Carmel, seeks the face of God, and does not quit until the fulfillment of what God said, that it would rain again, that his blessing was going to come back into the land. Amen. So, he sees the fulfillment. Everybody say he saw the fulfillment. God's judgment on the land had come because of their sin, and Elijah dealt with those things which released the blessing of God again into the earth. All right. So, Elijah w- refused to quit. Ironically, Elijah refused to quit And then it says, 19, very next chapter, he refuses to quit. I'm going to stand till the end. Now, why suddenly? What happened? The question I have is, does every single person on the earth, even Elijah, have a tipping point? Is there a straw that finally breaks the camel's back, even a man like Elijah? And the answer is yes. The answer is, it doesn't matter how long you stand, there is a point where the enemy will get to you. What we do with it is key. Amen. That's the whole point. It's not that it happened, it's that he was human, and his humanity was revealed, and what does he do? And we're going to look at that today. Now, what's weird is that he was not afraid of Ahab. He wasn't afraid of Ahab, and this is what Ahab said to him, just to review, in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17. 1 Kings 18 17 says, Ahab saw him and he explained, so it's really you, you troublemaker of Israel. And Elijah's like, you know what? Go round up your prophets. Let's have let's have a prophet off. And let's see what happens. Why now? Why Jezebel's threats? The Bible doesn't directly tell us, but we can look at the text and we can see that Elijah never wavered and now is suddenly discouraged. He never wavers and then he suddenly is discouraged. What I wonder is, did this, this is is what I was doing a lot of meditating on, was just looking at this whole story and asking the Lord, and, and this is what I wonder, did Elijah assume, wow, You already know where I'm going with this. Everybody knows the reference. I'm not saying it. It's not a good thing to assume, is it? Everybody know what assume means. Right? Come on, that's Christian. Did Elijah assume that once God proved himself in a mighty way that there would be a mass revival? I did what you said. You judged... And I was a part of that. And you sustained me during that time. And then I prayed for the rain. And everybody got to see it. Everybody knows that the false prophets had no power. Everybody knows that I stood there and you responded to my prayers. There is no doubt that Ahab knows it did not rain because of God and finally it rains because Elijah makes it clear to him so he goes back and tells Jezebel so there is no doubt that it was God this is a reality I think that we need to come to terms with which is a very harsh reality for Christians and it's this you ready People will choose to believe what they want to believe. Not everyone is going to get saved, and not everybody will turn, no matter what God does. Listen, we need to come to terms with this, that even Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stood in front of them. In fact, the Bible says that Judas went out and did the same miracles. You realize that until his, until his rebellion, the Bible does not exclude him from even working the miracles, the Bible says Jesus sent out all the disciples, which means Judas even worked in the name of Jesus for a time and chose to turn. The harshest reality for us is that we pray, we believe God, we, we, we do what he said to do, we're faithful, and I think that a lot of the stumbling block for believers is that we get hung up because we think That results are going to look a certain way at a certain time, in a certain manner, etc. And the truth is, suddenly Jezebel got to him. After all of this, her threats, he didn't even see her, the threat just made its way to him. Her threat got to him, and did he think... Let's endure the time of testing. We can endure the time of famine. I can rely on God through it. I can be obedient. I can deal with evil. I can pray to the end. And I can see the judgment end and the blessing begin. But he did not expect Jezebel's response. And suddenly, he was discouraged. Did Elijah expect when God did this that he would deal with her? Now, you know the story. We're going to actually talk about that today. But the thing is, when we have church and when we meet together, we all know the end of the story. So we know where this ends, don't we? Who knows what ends up happening? I'm going to skip to the last minutes of my sermon, give you a preview, because you know the scriptures. God deals with those things, doesn't he? Just not yet, because God's got a plan. Elijah's a part of it, but God's timing is his timing. His way is his way. Amen. And even Elijah, who's able to hold back the rain and pray the rain, is learning a lesson, which is that God is God. That even as powerful as we can be when we connect with heaven, I talked last week about connecting with the will of God. We connect with God's will in heaven, and our will on earth become one and incredible things can happen on the earth. But you know what? All that aside, Elijah's learning a lesson here that God's still God. Even when a man can hold back rain, he is not God. God is going to do what he's going to do in his way and his timing. And he has a plan. We do know that the people who witnessed God supernaturally send fire down on the mountain. We They said God is God. And I believe that Elijah's faith was actually... Boosted. I think the reason that he ran up into Mount Carmel is who wouldn't be boosted with faith when you call on God and God responds in such a powerful way. He ran up to Mount Carmel, begins to pray for the Lord. He, he's, it's actually, even though it was a timely process on top of the mountain, we talked about that last week, I think it was an instant response. He tells Ahab, you need to go and deal with some things. You go eat. I'm going to go deal with God. And the question is, was this a great opportunity, God, out of His grace, everybody say God's grace, was this moment God's grace for the people to be able to recognize the difference between the famine and the blessings? Was there a blip of time? See, we want God sometimes... This, this sermon really should be able to apply to so many levels. We can look at this nationally. We can look at this personally. We can look at this situationally. But here's the thing. God and his grace, it really is, is, is something we can't understand. Was there a moment of grace that God was doing in the nation that, see, we want, we want instant, we want God to deal with things right now. We want God to deal with it right now. God, I stood the gap, now you take care of the situation. And the thing is, what we don't understand is the level and the depth of God's grace. And the Bible says, basically here, that Elijah, his faith, there's a moment here now where he, is, he has hit his brink. And the, and the thing is, when our faith is shaken... Rather, actually, when our faith is not shaken, the enemy hits harder. This is a reality that we need to come to terms with as Christians. When our faith is not shaken, the enemy will keep hitting until it is. The biggest surprise is that when it happens, you're surprised it happened. You should come to terms with this. It's going to happen. That's not a lack of faith. People would call that pessimism. I disagree. People would say that's a lack of faith. I disagree scripturally. In contrast, what is our response when it happens? Amen. He's going to keep hitting until he can discourage you. If the enemy hasn't discouraged you yet, then he's not finished hitting you. That's the reality. But I've got a God, come on, I'm getting, I'm getting into my sermon, getting ahead of myself, but I've got a God who meets me there, amen. See, every man or woman of God that has experienced God's protection, His blessing, His presence will find that they must continue to trust God. Let me say that again. Every man or woman that has experienced God's protection and His blessing and His presence they're going to find that they must continue to trust God because the second our guard is down or the things don't turn out the way we think they should or we don't see a response we expected, discouragement and fear will be there knocking on your door. The moment that it doesn't turn out the way or in the timing or this is not what you expected, discouragement and fear will immediately begin knocking on your door. The Bible says in verse 4, everybody okay? Everybody with me? God's speaking here today. God's got a sermon for us, and I'm encouraged by his word in my life. And I just thank you, Lord, for your word. Just right now, just thank you for your word, God, that it's timeless. That these thousands of years later, Lord, this word is just as relevant today as it was when you penned it down. Thank you, God. Verse 4, it says, he went alone. There's a key word. Everybody say key word, <laughs> right? When you're reading, there's always key words, right? Things we should pay attention to. He's alone. There's a lonely place. Being a prophet's a lonely thing. You know what? Being a Christian's a lonely thing. We talk a lot about community, and we need to be a community, but you know, there's a lot of loneliness in Christianity, isn't there? You know why? Not because we're supposed to be. I'm going to preach today. Everybody, you're going to let me preach? We're not supposed to be lonely, but a lot of loneliness because... We don't think that anybody else is going through what we're going through. <laughs> we think we're the only one that's ever faced it. We're just like, I'm, you know, he goes, he travels all day and he's like, Lord, he prays that he might die. This is the same Elijah that literally held back. I mean, nobody in history has done this again. I mean, maybe people pray clouds away and they have a sunny day. But I've never heard of somebody who prayed the rain away for three and a half years. I mean, maybe it's been happening. I don't know about it. The same guy, because of one threat, the same threat that's been there all along. Do you realize the threat hasn't changed? It just became voiced. You think Jezebel didn't hate him before? You think that Jezebel was okay with Elijah up until this point? Absolutely not. But suddenly, this threat, you know, I love the picture. I actually started to meditate on the straw that breaks the camel's back because isn't that a crazy picture? I wonder, I was thinking, I wonder if somebody over in the Middle East did that one day. I was just wondering. It's, you know, because it's just math. It's just math. It can take so much weight, but literally, it's going to— At some point, it's one final straw, it's simple math, that it just can't stand any longer, and it breaks. And this is the truth. Each and every one of us, it's just math. Eventually, you break. Eventually, you break. In fact, you know the military's job when they're training you is to break you. You can, and do you know that the higher up, when you get into the special forces, elite forces, they do not quit until you break. The longer you resist, sure, you're a stronger individual, but they're not, the, the whole point of the, les, the lesson is that they're not going to stop until you break. That's the point, to reveal your weakness. And then they, they build you back up with their system, and especially the brotherhood, that you're there for each other, that you're not alone. Rely on us, rely on our, on our leading, and rely on each other, and so on, right? And they have their whole, re- they have their reason for that, so that you are not your prideful individual that you came in as. And the reality is that finally he says, God, I've had enough. Who's ever said that to the Lord? Anybody ever said that? Anybody ever said, I mean, you don't need to raise your hand because this is a harsh reality, but that it, it hurt you, it hit you so hard that you said, Lord, I don't even want to live anymore. He says, I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Isn't it amazing how the lies of the enemy get in our minds? You think that's true? Anybody agree with Elijah's assessment of his, of his self-worth at this moment? Anybody agree with that line? He's no better than his ancestors. Hello, Elijah. We're going to be reading about you for about 3,000 years. You just don't know that yet. In fact, Jesus is going to talk about you. And the Bible says that the prophet that lays the groundwork, John the Baptist, is going to come in your spirit. Elijah's coming again. That's John the Baptist. So, Elijah, you don't know it yet, but you're not even going to die a human death. That's a lie from the enemy. That you have done nothing, right? The enemy tells you you've done nothing on this earth. You are worthless. You've done nothing. He comes and says, all that that you did, and it's all wasted. It's all worthless. There's no value. You did nothing. I still have power. Look, Jezebel is still the queen. Ahab's still the king. You can tear down my, my demon gods, and you can kill my prophets. I'm still God. Little g, but that's what he does for a moment. We know he doesn't, he doesn't last, does he? But for a moment, he puffs up his chest in pride and defies God. Look at that's what Goliath does. For 40 days, Goliath did stand, and you know what? The nation did cower. One day, God says, enough. Same thing with Jezebel. But in the moment, the devil sure makes you feel like he's one, doesn't he? And he's a liar. Everybody say he's a liar. The Bible says he was so discouraged, he lays down and sleeps under the broom tree. He just goes to sleep. He is so distraught. He's so frustrated. He runs, and he just goes to sleep. But this is incredible. The Bible says that while he's sleeping, it says that an angel touched him, verse 5, and told him, get up and eat. Verse six, he looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Verse seven, then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead of you will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai or your Bible might say Mount Horeb. And it says the mount basically the mountain of God. Now I want to point out again, one more time. I want to get this. Elijah didn't quit. You know, there's a difference between quitting and being utterly discouraged. There's a difference. I think it should be noted today that Elijah completed the mission. Many times we feel like we can't do what God's asked us to do, and we quit at 90%. We do. But Elijah, in contrast, he went 100%, and he's discouraged by the result. Now, I think this is very key, because sometimes we wonder why we're in a mess, and it's really because we haven't finished what God's asked us to do. We need to complete the journey. And there are other times where you have stayed faithful, you've done what God's asked you to do, you kept praying, you didn't lose your faith, and you hit this point of utter discouragement. And this is the thing. It says, really, discouragement and disappointment can be the hardest thing to go through as Christians because after all we've done for the Lord, sometimes it just gets to us. It's tough for us seeing. See, this is the thing we need to understand. We are surrounded by so much hatred towards God all the time. You are literally bombarded. Everything around you hates God. You realize that more and more than ever. And there's so much sin around you. Do you realize that there is a heaviness that's just always in the air? It's always there. But we are Christians. We rise each day. We look at the sun and we say, his mercies are new each morning. Jesus, thank you for your blood. Thank you for the resurrection. It was dark for three days, but you rose again and, and we move on. But you know, the heaviness doesn't change. It's always there and it's actually always potentially making your situation feel hopeless. If you were to look, you just are in joy, so you're blinded to it. That's by the Lord's design, not so blinded that you don't pray about it, but blind enough that you don't focus on the sin and the weight of this world. Imagine, just stop for a moment, I don't want you to focus on it, but just think, right, right now, in the time that we live in, how godless society is and how heavy it really is in your average day out there towards God. But God protects us, he shields us. But every once in a while, you know, I almost want to say there's no rhyme or reason. It finally just hits you. One time I went to the doctor. I was just meditating. I was the Lord kind of dropped this story, reminded me of something. A few years ago, I don't know if it was like 5, 6 years ago maybe. I went to the doctor because I said I'm I've been really tired. It was summertime. And I'm like, I know it's hot, but it's different, and I can't describe it. And I never go to the doctor, but finally I was like, let's go see. Maybe there's something there. So I go to the doctor, and I'm surprised. I said, can I be allergic to the sun? Is that a thing? I said, is it, am I allergic to, like, is it because it's dry? Is it dust? You know, what is it? And they said, you have allergies, but... Your body is really good at fighting against allergies, and they're year-round allergies. But your body has a tough time doing two things at once. This was the answer they gave me. And in the sun, your body has to fight in overdrive to keep yourself cool and to be able to function in the sun, especially working outside. And what happens is, and this was the best answer I ever got, honestly, I came to peace with it, and now I just accept it. It's hot, and I I try not to complain. I recognize it's hot. This week was hot. You won't hear me complaining much. I don't think I do as much. I mean, I'll tell you it's hot, but I'm not like, I can't work. I don't want to work. I mean, I just do it. I don't like it still to this day. Nothing's changed there. But I've come to peace with it. I just trust God, and he's going to give me strength in it, but... It was the best answer I ever gotten. finally I had peace because, so they said what hap- what's happening is, is you don't realize it, but your body's actually working really hard to fend off your allergies year-round. But because of the lower temperatures, your body can do it. And as soon as the high temps come, now your body, it's like a computer. It can't do two things at once. It doesn't do two things at once at well. It's not that it can't. It doesn't do two things at once well. So now it doesn't know what to do. And what happens? So your body just slows down so that it can handle. And that's why you would feel sluggish. And you know what happens is it's so, so heavy. I don't know what it is. Aren't you surprised sometimes that you're like, this is what got to me? Anybody ever go, this is what got to me after? Like, this is it? This was the straw that got me, like, after all that I've been through with God and this was it? It's easier actually for spouses or friends to t- look at your friend and be like, that's what got you? <laughs> it's easier that outside looking in, right? Like, whoa, it's one thing. But what you don't realize in that conversation is that they've had this whole, you know, it's been building, it's been building. Like, we're just, we're we're constantly bombarded with the potential for discouragement in this world. And we keep our eyes on Christ, and we keep our eyes on his glory, and that works for so long, but then eventually... It gets to us, and we all break. I love this story because the Bible says Elijah was human. He was an incredible individual, but he was also human. Aren't you encouraged that if Elijah, who could hold back the rain, was also a human being, then God looks at us and says, I see your humanity. Elijah was human, so be encouraged that if, if he was human, but he also was able to walk in the power that I wanted him to, then you can do the same. That even though you're human, and you're going to have weaknesses, and you're going to have faults, you can also walk in what I have for you. Amen. What does the text say? What happens, though? What's the answer? What's our solution? He cries out to God. He's tired. He's frustrated. He's really, I was thinking about this, You know, Elijah was no different. Just think about this for a moment. There was no difference for him than a man or a woman who went through an immense battle. After a battle, a human being is intensely fatigued. There's a reality check of what just occurred, right? They're thinking of the bloodshed. They're thinking of the immensity of a a human. I'm talking like in war, like a battle that the human being goes through after is like, you know, we literally have, we literally have in our military programs to coach you back into life because it's so immensely severe to yourself physically and mentally, and they don't realize it, but also spiritually, and there's no difference. You realize when Elijah stood up to Satan, he stood up to Satan here and stood up to, ba- to Baal and stood up to uh, Ahab and Jezebel, that he was, he was, God did it. God sustained him. But nonetheless, he was still the warrior on the ground. Amen. The Bible talks about, don't you love when it goes through David's warriors? Who loves reading? We just read those lists. Some of those wrists, those, some of those lists can be monotonous and a little boring. You know, because like so-and-so did this, and he played the trumpet. This guy made metal. And it's like skim, 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 skim. Like, I'll, I'll read about them later. I acknowledge their name, but I don't really need to know that he played the trumpet. But then you read about these guys, David's mighty men. The one guy, I can't remember his name, but it says that he held the sword so strongly, he held it so tightly that his hand and the sword seized together. Who remembers that story, right? Remembers that little blip about him. See, and you know what? I laugh. Oh, man, I'm sorry. That was a real laugh, too. (laughs) I'm laughing because the Lord's good. Rick and I have been saying the Lord's funny. Rick's been saying a lot recently, God's a funny guy. He really is. I read the scripture and I laughed out loud. Then God gave me a revelation. Right after it says, God gave them a mighty victory. I laughed because I said, God, maybe you don't, maybe you didn't read the text, God. Because the Bible says that he swung the sword until his hand and the sword fused together. Which means it looks like to me that he did it. I'm not taking, obviously taking away from God. I laughed because it's funny. See, the thing is, and then, you know, the revel, obviously what I already knew, but I got a full revelation of it. You know, I just, I love when God does that. It was a gentle way because my laughing was gentle. It wasn't pointing my finger. Then it could be maybe a little bit harsher when God corrected me. But he gave me a gentle revelation that it was who he was from the day he was born. That God fused him with that power before he even was able to pick up a sword. That you are who you are and God made you who you are. And many people don't do it. Many people don't do what they're called to do, or they do what they want to do. But then those that do follow God and stand for for him, it's not that it's not God, it's actually all God. And yet, and we've talked about this before, Jesus was 100% human and 100% God. That math doesn't make sense in our earth. You can't add 100 plus 100 and equal 100. But supernaturally, you have to walk through what God has positioned you in. I mean, you don't have to, but if I want to please God and I want to do what he's asked me to do, amen, right? Who wants to please God? Who wants to do what he's asked me to do? Who wants to stand there until your hand fuses with the sword? I do, because that's who God made me to do. But the thing is, even though it's God, I still had to go through it. I still felt that. I still became a part. Are we getting this? Do you realize that even though that God was with Elijah, Elijah still experienced that battle? Even Jesus, the Son of God, experienced such turmoil. Actually, he experienced grieving. He experienced sadness. He experienced joy because he was a human. He was so sad when he heard about John that he's like, "I just need to go be alone." he doesn't He doesn't succeed at that, by the way, because he's interrupted by everybody. He's like, "I just need some alone time, Papa. little hidden joke there for you guys. <laughs> Nobody's laughing. I just need some alone time, Papa." That's what he needed because he was human. See the thing is. We think because God's with us, it's going to be easy. And that's a lie from the devil. Because God's with us, it's going to be hard. Wow. Wow, what a revelation. In fact, the more you follow God, the harder it's going to get. Because now you're opposing the enemy. Listen, if you think you're going to pray for Baal to fall down, and you're not going to have some retaliation you are greatly deceived. And many times the worst thing that happens to Christians is not the 90% attack, but it's after they've been faithful and, they've been, and they're retaliated on by the enemy. When you've done what God asked you to do so faithfully, and then it's such a shock because you're like, God, I did what you asked me to do. And you know what? Here's the thing. Elijah's about to get a lesson here that we can all identify with and get today, and it's this. God sees us in the battles. I want you to say that out loud. God sees us in the battles. And here's the revelation. We need Him the same. I want you to say that out loud. We need God the same. Whether it's a good time or a low time, we need God. Elijah had learned to rely on God and trust in God. But what he's experiencing here is really supernatural on another level. He is learning. See, the funny thing is he goes to rest, and we do need to rest. But let me tell, tell you something. The enemy doesn't fight fair. And while you rest, the battle rages on what he's about to learn is that we need to rest in Christ. And that is is key. You cannot do it in your own strength. You cannot strive. But while we're resting, the battle is going to go on until literally the scrolls of Revelation are rolled up and God makes a new heaven and a new earth. It's not going to stop until then I've said this before and I'll say it again maybe this is just me but I feel like it's American society we go to school nine months out of the year and we get three months off and I literally think we are trained as humans to look forward to weekends to look forward to summers I just need to get through this and then I'll be off and you know what the devil does I'm just going to wait here at June 21st. As soon as you put down, as soon as you think, I'm done, I finished, I completed it, I trusted God, I'll just wait right here. Because that's the easiest place to get you. Elijah knows he has to trust God all the way through it. He has no choice because he doesn't have the strength to do what God's, It's an actual physical act to ask God to do, but now there's nothing for him to do. It's just, a, it's just an attack against him. It, there's no standing for God. There's no trusting in God for the, for the rain to come, to not come, for God to supply. Now it's just this threat. It finally comes at him, and he, he's kind of searching for, what do I do? Uh, what's happening? I expected different results. And here's what happens. The Bible says, and just quickly... Are we okay on time? I guess we're going to leave the second half till later. But I just want to—I do want to finish here in this part. I do want to talk about the angel here because the Bible says, the Bible says that an angel came. Everybody say, an angel came. See, when we're tired and frustrated, when we've been faithful, you know, the Bible says even when we're faithless, God remains faithful. Aren't you encouraged by that? Come on, when we're faithless, God remains faithful. Now, people think that means unsaved. People have misinterpreted. They're like, well, God's just faithful because he's faithful. Yes, he loves this world. He loves people right to the very end, but it's not, that's not it. It's when our faith, which was already there, begins to dive. We begin to lose it. God stays that's where he comes in and he encourages us. He's faithful and he comes and builds us back up again. And the Bible says, an angel came and gave him strength. You know, even Jesus had this happen. The Bible says in Matthew 4, when Jesus had the temptations from Satan and he was in the wilderness, it says in Matthew 4, 11, that the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. And a second time for Jesus, the son of God, he had to have an encounter from heaven became so severe it was so harsh on his mind body soul and spirit reality that he needed an intervention from heaven into the earth come on guys if jesus needed it we're not meant to be superman or superwoman we are human but because we rely on god we do super things wow you're not superman or superwoman you are a human who relies on God, so we do super things. But every once in a while, your humanity is revealed. It's not meant to condemn you and burden you, but to remind you. God didn't do it. I'm not saying he's reminding you, but let the situation remind you that you need God just as much as you did the moment you cried out to him the first time. And the Bible says here in Luke 22... Jesus is about to go to the crucifixion. He prays to the Lord, and it says in verse 43, Luke 22, an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. And then the Bible says, verse 44, he prayed more fervently and was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like uh, great drops of blood. Now, I think most people have interpreted this as he prayed more fervently because... Lord, is there still another way? But actually, if you look at this verse, if you read it like this, let's read it. An angel appeared from heaven and strengthened him. Take away verse 43 and verse 44 and read it as a paragraph. Verse 44, which wasn't there, right? It's just a paragraph. He prayed more fervently. God encouraged him. He prays more fervently. He doesn't say, well, forget you, angel. Thanks for coming. I'm going to keep praying I believe that his prayer became more fervent because he was encouraged and he was built up. God is here today. If you're at a low point, if you've hit that point, or when you hit that point, know that God will meet you there. Know that you just stay faithful and keep being faithful. And when your faith begins to get weak, and when you your humanity suddenly rises up again, know that God is there to build you up. Now, the cool thing is that Jesus had a visitor from heaven in the form of an angel, but actually, most likely, Elijah had a visit, not just by an angel, but in verse 7, it says, in 1 Kings 19, verse 7, the angel of the Lord. Now, this is key, because we only see that phrase a few times in the Old Testament. Who knows what that refers to? Does anybody know? That's right. We talk about angels all throughout the Old Testament, but when you see the phrase, the angel of the Lord... That refers to Jesus. That means that Jesus came and said to Elijah, pre, uh, on the earth as a human being, right? In the past, because Jesus was and always will be, right? He was in the beginning and everything was made through him. So it's not weird for us that Jesus was before he came into the earth as a human being. And so Jesus himself came and the Bible says that he was so discouraged that he fell asleep again, And it says in verse 7, that the angel of the Lord came again. Wow. Aren't you encouraged that sometimes you've been so flustered, so frustrated, so down, it's got you, you don't know why this time it's hitting you, but it doesn't really matter because God says, my servant is down and I came to encourage them and you need another encouragement, I'm willing to do that. In fact, I call this the second touch for your second wind. Come on let's say that again it's a second touch for your second wind come on god's about to touch you so that you keep going amen sometimes god has to encourage us more than once i'm sorry that elijah had to go through this but i'm thankful that it was penned down to encourage me and encourage us that god is willing to feed me come on what is the what was the bread this was so supernatural You know, he could see the raven bringing him bread. He could see the brook. He could see the oil there with the widow and the water and the food. He could see it. Yes, it was multiplied and it sustained, but he could see it. And suddenly, out of the unknown, out of the unseen, there's bread that appears and there's water that appears because the Bible is not just talking now. God's taking them to another level. Okay, you've been faithful and you endured and I've been teaching you and I've been training you, but we're going to get to a level now, Elijah. In fact, you're already so high, you don't even know it yet. We're just going to step over into heaven in a moment, but I'm going to sustain you supernaturally. It's not the things of this earth, even multiplied, that will sustain you, but it's by my spirit. It's a supernatural manna that I've made in heaven. It's the word of God that sustains us. It's the water, which is the Holy Spirit, and the things of this earth will not You cannot find your encouragement in this earth. You will not find encouragement even if Jezebel did fall. You're only going to be encouraged because you lean into me and trust in me. Amen. The Bible says that in John 21, Jesus does the same exact thing that he does for Elijah with the disciples. The same exact thing happens. Jesus dies. They don't know what to do. Bible says in John 21, verse 3, what now? He says, I'm going fishing. Simon Peter says, right, we know these verses well. What now? Who's ever said that to God? What now? I'm just going to go back to what I know. I don't know what else to do. I'm frustrated, I'm flustered, I feel discouraged, I feel down, I don't even know why, but God, I feel like everything's been taken from me, I'm all, it's a whirlwind, and you know what the Bible says, verse 9, it says, Jesus came to the shore, and he called their names, and the Bible says that when they came to shore, they found, verse 9, breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread, you think Jesus went fishing that morning? You think Jesus took a fishing pole from heaven and caught those fish on the earth? You think he went out and gathered up dough... Come on, the Lord gave them a supernatural meal. God gave them meat, and he gave them bread from heaven. He gave them what they needed that was not earthly. We don't need this earth. We don't need encouragement from the earth. You want to go see a psychologist? You want to read a book? That's fine, but what you need is Jesus. You need a supernatural word from him. We need a revelation from Jesus. That is the only thing that's going to sustain us. Sure, you can survive on bread and fish from the earth. Sure, God's made our human bodies survive on that but your spirit man is hungry and eventually it's gonna show its weakness that it needs the Lord and the Lord alone amen and it sustained him the Bible says for 40 days and 40 nights we'll look into that more next week but it was a supernatural sustenance that actually carried him until and this is what's amazing God sustained him Until the word of the Lord came. I want you to leave today just knowing that. God sustained him supernaturally until the word of the Lord came. Amen. Amen. We just thank you, Jesus, for your word. I thank you, God, that it's filled with life. I thank you, Lord, that this is your manna even today, God, that these are not, it's not just me speaking, but God, on a deeper level, you are touching our hearts, God, with a manna from heaven, with, Lord, fish, which is meat, God, the meat of the word, the bread of your word, thank you, Lord God, with the water, Holy Spirit, that's sustaining us, that maybe we feel Lord, all I want to do is just sleep. I'm done. But I thank you, God. I thank you, Jesus, that we turn and we open our eyes. We turn our head, and there you are. And as many times, if he needed a third dose, you would have done it a third time. God, whatever we need, you are there to sustain us. I thank you, Jesus, and we give you glory and praise. Amen. Amen.